about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited, as always, to be here and talk to you about a horror film. Mm. That's why we're doing it. That's what we're doing here. So I better be excited. Tasty. (laughs) Do you say tasty because of this week's film? (laughs) Yep. Great. Well, first, to introduce the show, for anyone who doesn't know, this is Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie. And myself, Tim Aslan. That's him. That's us. We dismember a horror film every week, in fact. And that, well, what, what, what does it mean to dismember a horror film? It means we watch a film that's horror that we haven't seen or haven't seen for a while or just excited to talk about that uh, we got from some top list. We're trying to see ones that scratch a certain itch, either are good or, uh, as I said, scratch a certain itch. <laughs> um, we love it when you recommend a film for us to watch and we break down what worked for us what did not work for us and anything we found interesting or noteworthy as a talking point as a factoid whatnot anything that doesn't fit fit into those uh prior categories yeah but we are by no means saying we are um any authority we just have fun watching these movies. What? <laughs> and since we're we're filmmakers ourselves, we kind of find it helpful to kind of catalog these by those exact categories. What worked, what didn't work for us. Yeah. And to hopefully spur your own opinionation where you're yelling at us or in, in agreement or disagreement. Both are great. Well... Tim, I want to jump right into this movie because you <laughs> okay. were excited to watch the stuff. God, was I ever. Why were you excited to watch the stuff? Um, most, well, I mean, the poster alone kind of just makes me be like, fuck yeah. Well, this is going to be ridiculous. <laughs> but also knowing that it's uh, Larry Cohen and like based on what you had talked about in whatever episode that was about uh, King Cohen and right king cohen yeah yeah yeah. the documentary on him and it just got me excited about that style and era of filmmaking because it's i I knew it would be kitschy and ridiculous (laughs) and you know crazy which are all which is always interesting (laughs) yeah for you it's like you either like those things or strongly don't like those things and it's really interesting to know what that line is for you it's like those adjectives you just said yeah, as I said, strong opinion one way or the other. So whatever makes it click for you versus yeah. when it doesn't, I think is really interesting. Well, I know just generally one thing that makes it click is if it's going to be absurd and ridiculous and over the top, it, it if it is going at a like a fast pace, I'm way more forgiving of the stupidity or the or the lack of story or whatever the things that I generally really like hold um, valuable. Mm-hmm. If it's just barreling through and like right off the bat is sort of eschewing any sort of like rules, I'm in. Like I'm okay with it. That was definitely the opening of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's tr- kind of self-serious and then also doing these things but also plotting or whatever i'm like Ugh. was that like evil ed for you yes yeah. where i'm just like what are we doing <laughs> right the fuck are we doing 
But, but like if every scene in Evil Ed was him throwing a head into a garbage can like it's a basketball, I'd be like, yeah, the, I, <laughs> right. get, I get what this movie is. The standout moment. Right. For me, I think it all comes <laughs> down to where is the filmmaker coming from? Like mm. this guy, Larry Cohen, you just see an utter like love of movies, you know, come through. I think his movies and, uh, and that's, I don't know. And I got to define it further because that's not always a good thing because like the, to use Evil Ed as an example again, like clearly they're coming from a place of a love of movies, but it's not, I don't know. It's, it's, it's how, maybe it's, it's like the Evil Ed, they needed to put their own stamp on things more versus just being pure, like stuck in homage. Yeah. Yeah. I, during watching the stuff, I thought of evil Ed and I kind of thought to myself, I think evil Ed thinks it's doing what the stuff did and it's failing. There's such a vision of just like how Larry Cohen, like views the world via how he views what he thinks movies are. You know, right, like right, yeah. what he's interested in in films and just as equally what he isn't interested in just yeah. really makes it so it feels like no one else could have made <laughs> this movie. And I think that's maybe the distinguishment. For yeah. Me. Yeah. That's cool. Well, let's get into it even what more. What do we need to do? First, we watch the trailer. Oh, so, I can't wait. <laughs> here's, here's the trailer for as We've already been talking about it from 1985. The Stiff. No. Don't eat that. I saw it moving in the refrigerator. Here, Jason. Take some. There is something alive in there. They're good for us, Jason. <laughs> they kill the bad things inside us. Must be a side effect of eating too much dessert. <laughs> Tonight, America is in grave danger. So are you prepared to say on the air that you've actually seen people devoured by the stuff? Oh, hell yes. And what's worse, I've seen what's left of them when the stuff gets through and comes back up. I think that trailer supports what I read, that New World Pictures wanted more of a straight horror film and didn't know what to do when they... um, receive this like tongue-in-cheek satire comedy and um the trailer would reflect that it seemed way more like they're trying to package it as a straight horror film yeah can you yeah i mean what yeah what difference does it make yeah (laughs) like it's not what like that the stuff as a horror film like the the whatever you would call that the the cliched version of or cliched movie version of the stuff as a horror film is not better than well it's just you know that I mean? it's like, already been done like it's yeah. it's the blob it's invasion of the it, body snatchers exactly. yeah so why not just have its own unique spin on it yeah i don't think it's not a horror film either. no no i not, know what you're saying yeah, like they're yeah. trying to fit into a particular lane yeah like, yeah why even bother we love it for what it is. I did. Yeah. There's my rating. <laughs> Not buy it. I gave this a hearty rent it. Not a hearty. I won't say hearty rent it. 
it was there's just something that's so fun about it i think and something as i said like anything that's so unique as far as i couldn't see anyone else making this nothing there's nothing that quite scratches this particular itch i like love it for all that um and get really into it when i'm watching it and like really appreciate the delivering of promises of the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was always fun, whether it's just because of the actors or the perfectly placed moment. <laughs> um, but I just, at the same time, I don't feel like I need to see it more than every 10, 15 years, if that, you know. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, or if you're just happen to be in the mood now that I, you know, am know better what it is, I've just seen it once before, probably again, like 10, 15 years ago. I, I think it holds a place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, if you're going to watch one Larry Cohen movie, I feel like this is it. This is okay. the best of what I've seen. Nice. So it's like, you get it. You see this. This, you know, this movie really feels for me like it's very close to Evil Dead 2 in in like my enjoyment of the moments. And... Because of that, I almost want to say bu- I would buy it specifically to put it on during parties. <laughs> yeah, that's always a lot of that's a, a litmus test for you in a lot of ways. Yeah, because like we're not a litmus test, but a possibility you see. Oh, yeah, maybe I want I just want to have more parties. You want to have know. a Halloween party <laughs> with the as in playing Halloween. Yeah. And you want to have um, the Haxon party, Hexen party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now a stuff. Yeah, party. just have it on in the background. Maybe what I what I really need is to own like a bar that's like horror themed bar. <laughs> yeah. And just has all these movies playing all the time. Um, the reason I say that partially is because. The the movie is so kind of I mean there is a story and everything but who gives a shit exactly and how and, refreshing is it right to- <laughs> and so like just scene to scene and this to my prior point at the top of like the the pace of it it's just go the whole <laughs> thing is just go like go 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 the, it doesn't fucking matter yeah so like I love the idea of it just being on and when you look at the screen. Chances are you're going to do what I did about a thousand times during the movie and go, oh, shit. Or what? Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I love. And so it's just such a like perfect sort of zone of kitsch to me that it's like it's it's exciting and and evocative and joyful. Yeah. And so that's the type of thing because it's not a, I don't think it's a movie to sit down and really like, it's not a thinker, you know, like (laughs) you just, you just enjoy it. It's so refreshingly not a thinker too. It's like the moment you try, it says, just, just, just stop. Just enjoy this. Just like get over having to make sense out of things. Yeah. It's a nice place to be put in. So I guess my caveat is like, if this was, you know, 12 bucks or something, I'd probably just be like, yeah, okay. It got a snag it. Blu-ray release, I think, in like 2011, 12. So, see, I would not spend like the other day. I was in line at the grocery store, and uh, Shazam Blu-ray was like at the counter of like a movie to buy, and it was twenty nine ninety five. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, the new releases will be like that a lot. Holy shit! So it's like, no way would I pay that, but like I'd pay half that for this movie probably. Yeah. So you know. I'm, I'm going to say I'm a buy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that makes me happy. 
<laughs> that it lived up to yeah. your uh, hat pull. You know what it also reminds me a little bit of is some of the really good moments from Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead, the the, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it just lives in this sort of realm of like, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. It's like the kind of the fun of the characters and the casting. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And I don't, it may be, I'm suffering maybe a little bit of nostalgia of the era mm-hmm. and how f- like, like you could basically, in my opinion, you could kind of production value and like look and tone and feel and all of that. Put this up against an episode of Miami Vice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not great. What an like, episode of Miami Vice that would be like. <laughs> they that would be team amazing. up with this guy. But like just having them on a boat at the beginning, I'm just it just feels kind of like oh, that yeah. that weird it's like he's making fun of that. Men in suits meeting on yeah. a boat yeah, yeah. in New York. Espionage. Yeah. And shit like that. It's cool. So yeah. There you oh, go. Great. <laughs> All right, next section is our summary. So what exactly happened in this film? I mean, it's just so full of intrigue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's a conspiracy. Evil, um, yeah, cons- conspiracy. No, no, co- corporate plot. Sure. Well, and so can we clarify, because I'm not sure. It's Is it an alien? Is that for sure what those stuff is well one of the things i liked about it is it's intentionally vague yeah somebody calls it i think the colonel at the end when he's on the radio says it's an alien but like he's not reliable no that's just like he's talking about what was that that we watched where the guy kept accusing people of being you alien this you alien oh my god what was that he was freaking out what was that Oh, it uh, it was um, society, wasn't right? it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> where ex- I, that's how more how I read it. Where it's sure. just like it's cool, and it's actually gets for as kitschy as it all is the actual story. Yeah. It gets at something kind of disturbing or works in a horror sense of like it is just the stuff. Don't right. try to pick it apart more than that. So, yeah. So yeah. it is merely stuff that came out they, of the ground yeah, that they find in the ground. And um, because of what do you do when you find something coming out of the ground? You, you taste, taste it. it. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, my God. That just by itself. Like, that's our opening. Some dickhead walking up to shit that is bubbling. It's white shit bubbling out of the ground. And he fucking tastes it. <gasps> tastes it. it says, Can you imagine? Here, bud, you try this. And then that guy is like, yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah. And then we immediately jump to they've already turned it into like a factory and it's it's it's, being sold in stores. Yeah. What do you think? Like the time has passed. It's it is everywhere. Yeah. So it's maybe a couple years later at best. I I mean, I like to think it was two months kind of thing, you know, (laughs) in this in Larry Cohen's world. The nation by storm. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then it's just kind of that we have our our. Our Mo. chill yet hard-headed, yeah, protagonist. <laughs> Southern guy. <laughs> Mo. What? Mo Rutherford. David Mo Rutherford. Why is he called Mo, Tim? Why is he Lindsey Graham? <laughs> wait, That's wait. what I want to know. Why, what does he always say? Oh, he <laughs> says, uh, you know, my, uh, what's his real name, David? He yeah. Goes, my, my name's David, but my friends call me Mo because every time I get money, I just want Mo. Yeah. Okay. Or he says anytime, anytime he gets I get anything, something he likes. Yeah. Which connects to the hey, theme in the film. That's right. 
Um, enough is never enough. <laughs> the stuff. Clearly. So, yeah, so it's his, I mean, the story is that he is hired as a, he's a former FBI agent who now just does. Um, corporate espionage. Yeah, freelance corporate he's espionage. He's trying to figure out like what the ingredients are in the stuff. Because, yeah, because an ice cream company has hired him. And then we have, so he's on that trail. And meanwhile, we have a little kid who, after seeing, I guess he's the only one who sees the stuff and like moving or having some kind of like intelligence behind it. He freaks yeah. out. He's the one person in the world who bears witness to that and actually freaks out, apparently. <laughs> right. So he immediately just is, starts. Um, he's on a rampage. Yeah, he's on a rampage, just knocking them off shelves. Don't yep. eat that. Don't eat that. Yep. Um. And then Jason they, is his name. Jason. Right? Yeah. yeah. So David and Jason team up, and then there's, is it Nicole? Is the ad exec? Ooh, she's the yeah. She's the branding exec. She sort of has. She's the one who has created the the brand of yeah. the stuff and marketed it and like shoots the commercials and all of that. And um, you know, Mo has tracked her down to sort of try and get an in. And then they fall in love miraculously, instantaneously. Mm -hmm. He is so charming. Maybe that's why he's Southern. That Larry <laughs> yeah. just was like, how do we justify this? I don't think Larry ever has said the words, how do we justify this? But <laughs> but, but in his in his subconscious, he was like, make him Southern and then, you, then everything's he just, fine. He's put him in uh, <laughs> his movie Q that became before this, The Winged Serpent, and then used him afterwards too. So he really? was kind of like right. his go-to nice. guy. He just, he just likes him. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Michael Moriarty. <laughs> yep. Who Re I knew certainly recognizable. I can't. I don't know what I know. Him I from. know him from the first troll. Okay, <laughs> great. He's the dad in Troll One. Holy shit! He's Harry Potter. Yeah, he plays Harry Potter. That's right. <laughs> with this stupid little hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What a dope he is in that. <laughs> cool. He's such a. He's such a cool dude in this one. I mean, he's all smooth and we just all aspire to be exactly like he's him. He's wearing sure. real shit cowboy boots. Punches people man, out of nowhere. Yeah. Don't cross him. <laughs> You'll get a fucking okay. and then, so mouthful the, of Mofis. So we got David, Nicole and J the kid Jason. Yeah. Or sorry, Mo. Um, oh, for a little bit, it's a little buddy comedy with chocolate chip Charlie. <laughs> that, that section is amazing. Yeah, he's a former like chocolate chip maker guy, uh, like mogul, mogul, yeah, whatever you call it, like cookie guy. And he he again, he's tracking down the stuff too because com competition. He wants yeah. to figure out what the fuck. So that's kind of the oddball bunch. Eventually, we get joined by like a, a general, uh, Colonel Malcolm Gromit Spears. <laughs> right. Anyway, we got this motley that crew. They got to overthrow the stuff factory, yeah. and they do it. Great. All right. Yeah. There's not much else to it. It's sort of a series of the you know the journey to that. You know, yeah. moment of blowing up the factory. Yeah, people die along the way from the stuff. Man. So I guess it is important, too, to say that, like, the effect that the stuff has, the 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 actual threat, um, not the plot threat, mm -hmm. but the actual threat is that the stuff effectively 
eats out your insides. Eats you out from the inside, yeah. And then, you know, before leaving your body, which I think it sort of inevitably does, but maybe not. Or kind of when... Just out of necessity. Yeah, I don't know. Um, They they possess you, basically. But they possess you, yeah. They, like, take over your brain. Yeah, to basically be a stuff-craving kind of almost like a... What we think of, I don't know, the phrase TV zombies yeah, is what I think of. Like, not zombies you'd see on TV, but the idea of, like, you're zombified from your TV. Right, you're single-minded. Yeah. And, you know. The fear of, like, being in the masses, that's why it's kind of the body snatcher mm-hmm, influx, mm-hmm. I see. It's, yeah. It's fun. It's actually yeah, really fun. Yeah, what do you call that? You you become an automaton. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you say that? Automaton. Automaton. Autonomaton. Yeah, that that word. Yeah, we get a ton of autonomatons. <laughs> That's right. Jesus. <laughs> All right, let's see we do what worked. Uh yeah. All right. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? Okay, I'm I'm trying to think in like broad terms. Oh my god! Still, because like it is fun to define some some context for Larry Cohen too. Maybe we should have mentioned. Um, he's known by he's known for being an incredibly fly by the seat of his pants director filmmaker. You are blowing me away here. <laughs> he, wait, what? I can't believe that that's true. <laughs> right, right. So not just in like his his. Not, you know, his his disinterest in maybe typical, like, A to B plotting making sense. Sure. But it is literal, like, uh, how he assembled the film, the way he just kind of would be a sort of yeah. hard-headed, fast talker, yet endearing and good-hearted and genuine and just wanting to make films and loving films. So getting films made, like, he did a first one about J. Edgar Hoover, like, in the <laughs> okay. 70s, that... um he like with no permit squirmed his way in however to shoot in these like official government buildings <laughs> wow. like justice department and stuff like that no permission whatsoever um and then for Q the winged serpent this is my favorite this is the example i always remember he to shoot on like the chrysler building uh <laughs> with like guards shooting at this uh the 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 winged serpent right. the dragon Rather than spending all the money on stunt people who like in getting the permission to put people on the sides of the buildings, he just like paid off like the 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 actual window washers that who are already there to, since they already had oh, permission my God. to be the ones to like hold these guns and shoot out. What did he just Chicago. fucking like lean out a window and be like, hey, 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 give you 50 bucks to hold this gun real <laughs> yeah, quick. Probably. <laughs> Amazing. Well, he's probably, you know, he plans it just enough where he's like, all right, so when's your when's your guy's next shift, you know, <laughs> right. like works it. All right, so can you take, like, I'll give you a hundred bucks, you know, take half an hour to get these shots. Wow. Um, that is hilarious. Just I wanted to give that little bit yeah. of context. Well, and it shows, it about. shows because part of, I mean, I guess kind of what I'm saying, it's, it's amazing that it works, but yeah. it does work that like, you, every scene is just sort of like blazed through and onto the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Like there is, 
there's very little sort of like nuance in the transitional aspect of yeah. any moment of like, this movie. I was it's always, just like, whoop, we're was, over here now. Right, Great. and I was asking Tim a lot through this. Like, wait, wait, how why, why, How did he learn about the kid? Oh, he read about them in the newspaper. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, okay, it is, but it doesn't matter. It is so fucking just like, you better keep up or don't worry about it. Right, and then so I just wouldn't worry about it. But that's what I, I really worked for me about it is yeah. because Larry Cohen does not care at all about these things. I don't care. And that's right. fun to get caught up in. Like what you said, the beginning of just like from the get go, these, these guys trying the stuff straight out of the ground. And right. like in another movie that could be really, really distracting of just like, oh, that totally breaks the reality. No, it functions as get on board, guys. Yes, it completely gives you the sense of like it's, you know, I always use this as an example of of. A movie in a in a movie in your opening scene, you you set the absurdity. You know, you say this is the world. Yeah. And the the movie that always comes to mind when I think of this sort of tool is <laughs> it's not a good movie, but it's it's G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. <laughs> and in the opening scene of that fucking movie, you've got like the Channing Tatum and and I can't remember. Forgot it's one of the movies. it's one of the Wayans. I think it's Marlon Wayans, and they're I I if I remember right, it doesn't really matter who's in the opening scene. What happens is that army fighter pilots go up against a like super jet, and in that scene, the super jet stops in midair. <laughs> And turns around and shoots missiles at it, fl- hovering. <laughs> it's going like super fast, and then it stops and turns around and shoots. And it's like, oh, this is a world where a super jet can do that. Yeah. All right. So now I've set my sort of my like my baseline of absurdity, and that, that and then you're on board. What, like you, if if you're like this is ridiculous, right. then don't watch the rest of the what movie. I think I mean that actually similar to this film as far as like the kind of logic that example you just gave in this film follow for me is the like you are a kid playing with your action figures yes. telling a story totally, and that's what was. I think, yeah, on a deeper level, what works for me about this stuff and that kind of filmmaking is a um, an adjective. I think I, I read in a, re- a review of the stuff that I thought got at this deeper what's working about it is free form <laughs> is the feel of it. Yeah. Like the, I, I love that idea, too. Like, yeah, you know, there's they almost seem like warring approaches as far as how do you get the movie to be what the movie's trying to be. But just the idea of that approach is kind of fun and refreshing rather than something that has to be like distilled and distilled and redraft and Mm -hmm. redraft you just kind of you find the first scene and then you just kind of are off to the races um yeah i i I agree it it certainly has that feel but there's no question that it's well thought out yeah yeah the scene absolutely there is clear story threads throughout things just things are thought out well thought out aspects are well thought out yeah i mean broad story things are are thought out yeah for sure. the markers are there but they, it's like here's an example it's like picking and choosing what matters to well to the director or to the audience to be shown yeah and so a, a good example is you know when mo meets nicole and they have their little flirtation and it kind of, it, it it goes from zero to we're going to fuck tonight 
in like a split second <laughs> and you just go oh okay like i guess that's where we are now like he's so charming that she couldn't resist and now they're he like the last line of that scene is you know my limousine's outside and he goes i bet mine's bigger than yours <laughs> it's like yeah we get it then we're on to the next thing yeah the next time we see nicole th- it, it like We've forgotten that she existed. We haven't seen her in like a half hour. Apparently there's a lot that was cut from the film. Right. Yeah. This is sort of my point. It's like you just go, fucking, we don't yeah. need all that <laughs> shit. And then we're, we're right. The next time we see her, she's with Mo walking down the street like they've just gotten out of his apartment, I yeah. guess. Like they've been banging. They're all of a sudden And they're an together. Item. They're like, and we never saw any of that. Who cares? It right. doesn't matter. It's like you can tell that Larry just sort of was like, Trim the fucking bullshit. It was in actually the fat. just pop, pop, pop. New World Pictures who said well, we want no, it really? more. Yeah, but I think it's <laughs> I don't but, know. Yeah, they just I think it's just it's to this point of like get on with it. Well, yeah. As far as I think another way that uh, manifests for me that that free form approach or whatever really is just like in the acting style and you can see in the sort of scene to scene directing style that I don't know I find it's really fun where you can see they're acting in such a way where it's like even the first take could be the take yeah like they're it's loosey goosey yeah. acting and, and it's fun. in the best way like yeah. you just feel like they're like okay let's just fuck around for a minute because they're yeah they're good actors or at least like really good as fun as character actors especially yeah. so just to see them kind of hit these different beats and bring like a quote unquote naturalism to it, you know, <laughs> yeah. of just whether a, a, a line repetition or a pausing or a certain look that they, then they play off of where it's just fun to see like good actors or at least, you know, entertaining actors um, play into that in a way you don't often see if you're really just trying to get a take a certain way. Yeah. Well, there's an easy breeziness to everybody yeah freeform yeah and like in a way it feels to me like the directing was hey man do you do your version of it like that's very sort of like i'm not gonna tell you what to do i'm gonna tell you what's going on yeah and just let like let yourself take whatever you want to take from that and do your thing and let's see what that is yeah it's putting that trust in the actor just to like it's have really, fun it'll be great yeah it's yeah, it'll be great nice i love to watch you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because everybody's just kind of present and they're kind of like yeah this is nice like we're mm-hmm. not so fucking like constricted by like you gotta get this and you gotta say this here and you gotta hit this mark and you gotta get that. it's like it's free of that it mm-hmm. seems um, and I mean, maybe that's the case. I wasn't there, but like, yeah. it seems like that's sort of what they're doing. Uh, I think one, one part that I remember thinking like, this guy's like not a great actor. And then it turns out I was totally wrong is when they go to the, um, post office in, in the little small town that everybody has moved out of. Oh yeah. And the first dude who they meet has run away into the woods, which is hilarious. <laughs> But they go into the post office and there's an older dude there who's sort of got long, shaggy hair and he's acting cagey and whatever. At first, I'm like, ooh, this guy is not good. And then there's this moment of him being like, I got to go to the back. And he's weird. And you realize, like, that's his version of I'm infected with the stuff yeah. and I got to get out of oh, here. He gives it's that not double bad take. Acting. And then, yeah, exactly. He like. <laughs> 
<laughs> he gets to the door, looks over his shoulder. Door, yeah. yeah. Looks over his shoulder like, <laughs> and then like turns back to the door and then does it again, like double checks. Wait, was it so, so much like, good. haha, I'm up to something. It was like, are they watching me? Yeah. Is that very like, mm. am I being followed? And it's just, such a Scooby-Doo moment well, that's to me what, and that's, I love it. That's where I say you see Larry Cohen's love of film. You see him doing these very obvious like film tropes, but <laughs> yeah. they're like caught up in the sort of like almost swamp thing, like, you know, yeah. B-movie world. Right. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like an episode of the A-Team. No, it makes it feel like... Yeah, because A-Team is still grounded, or right. is at least attempting it's to be. trying to, yeah. Yeah, this, it has, it embraces the pulpiness because of yeah. the story at play, right. too. So, like, to have a guy just do this super obvious double take because Larry Cohen has seen it in other movies, <laughs> like, <laughs> just works. It does. I mean, I have to, oh, should we, can you stay on broader things? All I want to yeah, do is talk want? about, like, little moments, but... You must have more. Um, no, I mean, I don't think. I mean, stuff that maybe is mid tier then gets more specific in the examples. Yeah. So maybe you'll have some examples. How out for these broader things? I like. Okay. How about yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, and a lot of things. There is something just so fun about. So there is something just so fun about the effects of oh the God. deaths like once they got hollowed Ugh. out when we have chocolate chip charlie's like face bent Dude. all the way backwards with the white stuff coming who out of did his mouth the, who did the fucking <laughs> effects and makeup on this did wasn't you crazy that? mad george as God much as i damn. wish it was it's so fucking good it's just so well first of all the whole idea of like punching somebody and them being hollow <laughs> yeah and right, that one punch. Holy fuck. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so, it's really disturbing. Well, it reminds me. also, uh, yeah. It's, it makes, and it's like a lot of the things in this movie that just make me go, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. Like what? It's horrific though. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's really disturbing. And then just the effects is too, as far as like they do the rotating room effect for like the stuff Dude, and mass like sh that looks shove amazing. Yeah, like um, what would you say? It's spitting itself at like uh, at someone you know against the wall. Yeah, like, yeah, kind of blobbing people. Oh, all that stuff is so fun. Oh, the man. stuff stuff, and even even the kitschiness of. Like when it jumps on your face, it's so clearly just a piece of rubber that they th like yeah. had you grab right, and when he's put on your face with it on his face. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter though. It's I don't know why it doesn't matter. It's that kind of scene as makes me think when you said like Evil Dead Two with the hand attacking Exa him. Yes, where it's just Michael Moriarty with a piece of white stuff on his face flipping out. Right. It's so funny to me because by and large I despise quote-unquote camping campiness like i just it it usually makes me roll my eyes and just go this is dumb but i don't know what the distinction is and why it's okay in certain films. that's why i started off asking you exactly that like why <laughs> but evil dead definitely does it. and i know i've talked about i think i we talked about camp and my reference was evil dead it works in that 
for some reason. I don't remember what I said, but it works in this, I think, because of what we said, like you set up that world and you stick to it mm -hmm. and you're not you're not bringing in camp or bringing in slapstick in moments. The whole movie exists on that plane. And so you're just OK with it. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And then, yeah, and yeah, like we said, the, the setup of it primes you to be okay with it for the rest of the movie. That's important for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought there was something just so fun about the stuff itself as this white, drippy marshmallow <laughs> entity. It's, it's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason. Like, why is it gross? It's just, it just is like whipped cream. It's... That is of. what it is. It's innocuous enough. But there's something that I think here, maybe this will be our segue. There's a lot as far as just I have like the different aspects of satire that it's hitting or what it's satirizing, mm -hmm. you know, and there's something so I think something so satisfying across the board about this simple premise, like working to evoke whatever satire does. And mm -hmm. like the one as far as it being just white stuff is just the idea of um it's maybe this ties into like how like the marketing and branding aspect but how like you know this what largely inspired the film for larry cohen was how all the unhealthy processed food everyone eats and is marketed a certain way like yeah when you process food that much to make coca-cola or marshmallow mm. candy whatever it is it is stuff it's right. not like and it's food. also stripped away of anything like nutritious. Yeah. So the idea of going in that direction of like it's just white. It's it's yeah. it's void of anything worthwhile at that right. point. Exactly. I think and it's like, you know, I just think of like um enriched flour. It's like <laughs> enriched with what? You took away everything that's nutritious. Why right. is the word enriched? So then we just like, that's fucking add nuts. fortified vitamin K back into it and all of a sudden it's good <laughs> for us again. Like But then it's white. Yeah. And like this idea of I mean I think that the the broader sort of context of Western whiteness is kind of intense to to think about because this you know, white is good, black is bad kind of construct that in particular film has used for a long time. Yeah, maybe it's effective because we know the white is bad, you know. Exactly. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to that. It's it's pointing at that stuff. And I think that's cool mm -hmm. to kind of be like this idea of purity is fucking bullshit. Yeah, that it comes pure. They don't have to process it at all. Right. Yeah. And in, and in any context the the quote-unquote idea of purity is bullshit mm -hmm. like there's no fucking there's no fucking pu what purity there, that's a it's a bullshit term like purity there's no such thing as purity <laughs> like, what does that even mean right it's a so. construct i mean we know what it means in certain contexts yeah but it doesn't really exist yeah you know like it certainly doesn't exist in in nature it's like pure like what is what is pure i mean again in context like eating a zucchini versus eating the stuff <laughs> like well no I get, so what you're saying is the stuff is pure stuff that's right yeah <laughs> right and that's not a thing yeah 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 everything is what it is right everything is inherently pure yeah you know like i don't know 
anything you eat has multitudes within it. Yeah. Right? Bacteria, yeast, fucking whatever. It has nutrition or or not vitamins minerals like i ha it's all it's all made up of things that are you know valuable or not mm-hmm. but you strip all of that away and what are you left with stuff and that's what's <laughs> i love too like the satire of marketing like how they put so these good. like 80s go-go girls like they come up with the jingle they come up with the packaging and it's like Oh God, it's so satisfying and smart because also how they show like it's they have a stuff, you know, um, a store as in a, a stuff um, fast food restaurant. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a Dairy be- Queen yeah, or some shit. Between uh, like a McDonald's yeah. and uh, something else. Uh, KFC. I yeah. Think. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> too perfect. Dude, the idea too that everybody has just bought it wholesale yeah and does not know what's in it is amazing cuz j- that concept is so it has such a bigger implication yeah you be- could apply that to just the psychology of of humans you could apply it to government you can apply it to you know wars like i think that applies to like, like lo- cults it, it yeah. it's it's buying into a thing without scrutinizing it is such a fucking intense it's idea. a cognitive dissonance yeah. that i brought up before when talking about food of just like i don't you know you know the, the way we look at like completely disassociate where that burger came from right or where this well or again if it's super processed like what coca-cola even is doesn't matter because it's really good at cleaning chrome (laughs) like what (gasps) what but (gasps) but it's like we we put it so we have little kids drinking it or put it like uh, in a glass bottle before a movie or you know fill it with ice just all that branding and but just look at it just for what it is without that branding for once that's why i think i was just so fascinated and loved the that aspect of the satire and the critique is here it's so good there's like <laughs> that there's this woman who specializes it too that she's a character and that's like okay so we're acknowledging that all of this hasn't to do has nothing to do with what the stuff is actually offering it's just pure branding well that's and, what people are eating yeah and she's she's a smart character to have in there to be the the she's in a way she's the audience going oh my god i can't believe i bought into this Mm -hmm. and i have a moral obligation to right that wrong like i fucked up like that's a rare mentality i think not not just in characters but like we as humans i think often resist you know uh looking at things that way or accept or, or giving up our pride mm-hmm. to say that we are wrong and we fucked up and we should do something about it to right that wrong. Like mm-hmm. that's an important voice to have in the context of a satire like this where you are pointing at these bigger, broader things and then be having a character be like, yeah, just so everybody knows, like the point of view still exists that we fucked up yeah (laughs) and we should maybe do something about it it's not just left up to the themes of the movie to say that there's a character literally saying it yeah well there's all sorts of ways where like we think oh that's just a it's fun that this exists in the movie because like said before the promise of the premise you know it it works because of that but i mean to then break down and think about why something's working like i loved 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 
a couple things about the sort of end end note, not when they mm. um, destroyed the factory, but how when they confront the corporate guys and force them to eat the stuff. Right. Remember, it's such a nice touch that they say, well, we've rebranded it and now we're only using 12%, 12%. stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like as if... Yeah, somehow that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. somehow that's okay. It's also the, you know, even though we've seen that the stuff is clearly bad... I mean the the theme in a nutshell, like their their slogan, "Enough is never enough." So you brilliant. know these corporate guys gotta get yeah. more, more, and more. I mean the commentary on just sort of greed and consumerism and corporatism, if that's a word that yeah. I just made up, um, is so. It's just fucking crazy that this is how, how many years ago? Eighty five, thirty thirty five years ago, almost. Yeah. Same shit's going on still. It's not, it hasn't changed. It's probably gotten worse in it's some why, respects. Yeah. Films like this are satire so important. Yeah. <laughs> gives us some kind of baseline. And then, so then we have that, that's I thought was so great that they're, that they're, um, what was the term in drugs there? Uh, I was trying to think. They're cutting it, you know. Oh, sure. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then how then it says the black market is still selling yeah. like the real OG stuff. So what I loved about that, and I think is maybe if we're putting it in a modern context too, I think a really important takeaway why satire is powerful. The fact that it's still selling on the black market says that these corporate entities, they are not the problem. They are merely pawns in like they're they're exploiting an aspect of the the problem well the kind of capitalism that is just only for the gdp right. like that is that, that then you know people if they, they there are people who just go oh well that's how it is so that they they're devoid of what's right or wrong they're just seeing it as that's right Oh no, but this is how it is. So this is why we're doing it. That's like, what so that's actually a good kind of way of like I've started using this term corporatism as mm -hmm. opposed to capitalism because I don't think capitalism as as is it's sort of a it's a concept, right? Yeah. I mean it's it's very broad too. You could you could do capitalistic things and not be a piece of shit right. and not ruin the world. Right. I, but I, I do agree we have it. Yeah. Corporatism as a as a term I think gets more to the point of this idea that you're speaking to yeah. this idea that like you're functioning in a capitalistic realm specifically to achieve one thing blindly. Well, that's why I said capitalism's only worried about GDP. Exactly. Versus. Yeah. That's a really people. good way of putting it. I would define that as corporatism. Okay. Um, but then what that does that they're selling it on the black market is it, it, I think it forces us to at least think about it on some level in terms of, okay, if it's not just these people that are simply profiteering off a pre-existing mm -hmm. system, it's the fact that people want it at all. Like, you know, that is the real problem, the issue. Like, yes. that enough is never enough. Why for humans is enough never enough? They're Like, the black market's just serving that want. Like, That's you can't, right. You can't blame the people for they want so you got to ask on a deeper level why are people still craving stuff i have an answer because of loneliness mm -hmm. a disconnectivity right and like loneliness being one of many aspects of that right like the less connected we are to healthy and like 
positive things, the more we try to fill that and each empty, other. Yeah. The more we try to fill that quote unquote emptiness that comes out of not being connected. Well, and right. this, I think this is the root of that thing. Why anybody goes after something that's, you know, potentially not good for them often is to fill this emptiness that they have. I mean, you see that manifest a lot of ways, like just talking about different ways. The the one that jumps at me, because before the show, you're reading this like Facebook thread Mm. between these two friends, uh, like off just having this inane argument (laughs) that like is just so pointless. And I say it's so pointless and inane because they were only ever trying to attack each other. And that is to me like a really, I don't know, I think important example of that kind of separateness you're talking about at no point were they trying to find a commonality. Right. And that because is part that, of that separateness. Yeah, that culture, we, we live now in a world that has this culture around sitting, you know, at a keyboard or in front of a screen, whatever the screen is. And you have that distance from the people you're engaging with. Yeah. And that in itself is sort of creates an emptiness and you're trying to fill it by interacting. But it's such a you're you're interacting in such a non sort it's, of it can be connective human type way of interaction, though, because. Like you can see, I don't know, like an example of just people geeking out over something geeky together or. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's the it's well, I guess what I'm saying is we it's easy to fall into the sort of shadow side or the negative yeah. side of that type of interaction and just live there. Well, I think it's because that it's more in like how not so much how we feel when we're on it. I mean, that I, that is an aspect, but I guess for what we're talking about, it's how like you view others. It's just sort of mm-hmm. like that effect of being in a car and being so easy to scream at our fellow, hmm. you know, our yeah. brothers and sisters <laughs> in, in, in that with like a, a car driving a car turns the nicest person, you know, right into a raving, raving right. maniac. It's just that bit of, they are there. They like, I just see this little, oh, their name's Winston and they have this profile picture and, and they <laughs> said, and they said this thing, you know, that yeah. I disagree with. And all of a sudden that just conjures like, oh, Winston is right. just this emblematic of this thing that I hate. So I'm just going to do this Robert Downey Jr. Eye rolling, you know, gift right. at him. Well, and the, and the emboldening, emboldenment, emboldenedness, <laughs> <laughs> feeling emboldened by that distance. Yeah, is its own weird, you know, un. It's unhealthy in my mind. Yeah, because it's putting you. It's trying to put you at some sort of like moral higher ground. Right. The the important thing there being that it's still you're separating yourself from these people you're disagreeing with, rather than trying to, I don't know, helpfully solve the problem. Right. Acknowledging what you share. Yeah, I mean, all of this is to say, like, the 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 movie is pointing at these very large sort of systemic societal issues that it's very easy to kind of slide into the the realm of just get or take or have what you want right then. Yep. Right in this moment. That's the slogan. Don't stop and actually think and consider the ramifications because what it. do they say the stuff it covers up your bad feelings or something like yeah that it's something gets at that it's point almost ex- yeah that's that i like in the movie the bad i like feelings go away it. yes it made the bad feelings which just made go me away. think of like, like oh shit just 
alcohol, which is sugar, you know, just yeah. drugs, whatever, uh, yeah. bin- binging, all that. Right. Anything yeah, that can like anytime abused. you're like, oh, I'm going to I'm I'm feeling sad. So let me go eat a fucking bunch to yeah. feel better. It is on its surface doing what you're wanting it to do. Right. Like you're you're getting caught up in this binging it, show. It it's, tastes yeah. good. You aren't thinking about the sad things momentarily but almost none of these things have any sort of longevity in that right and the stuff is sort of such a good metaphor for it because it is eating out right you're getting zero sustenance (laughs) right merely sensory pleasure right right i love like yeah leaving to dig in more the examples of the heavy metaphor like how it leaves them a literal empty shell of their former selves when they eat the stuff i love <laughs> I fucking As I love said, it. Covering up. The I bad love feelings. that they've like become kind of uh, not quite porcelain, but like they're the shell aspect of them. You know, like when a face or a body gets smashed, it cracks. It's not like yeah. skin, skin doesn't do that, right? <gasps> like it's not hard like that. <laughs> but in this case, it it fucking is, which is really upsetting. Well, it, it works because it like the stuff itself. It's. It has a vis, vis, viscous, a viscosity. What yeah. is that word? Well, you could imagine it kind of like drying out your yes. insides. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it's a, it's fucking eating away everything that's worthwhile. Yeah, and you're um, left with literally just a shell of a person. Yep. Oh, it's so fucked up. The slogan of the movie, um, not the jingle, the movie. Are you eating it, or is it eating you? Yeah. Oh. I also think like the. I, I mean, I don't know how intentional this was or whatever, but it, it is certainly evocative that when the stuff tries to get out of you, your mouth, the thing that you used to ingest it, opens up over wide. You know, it becomes this grotesque thing and this like it's just it's just I think a kind of a cool reversal of the idea of consuming a thing yeah in order to for it to get out like your mouth has to grotesquely well, yeah. open back up it's there, like it's just pointing at that thing of like the 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 mouth is this I don't know this pathway yeah <laughs> you know it's really fucking gross and weird and cool looking yeah satisfying to when like you have um, a symptom or the the sort of disease itself being like this this ravenous consumption, blind mm. consumption, and then the um, result of that being, yeah, that pathway getting perverted of that yeah. mouth, like the way I guess I get like the way when their mouth gets huge and it like kind of slowly vomits up stuff and yeah. like dribbles out. Yeah, Just it's that purged, is a fun but comment. in like a really unpleasant way. I mean, not that purging yeah. isn't unpleasant always, but like <laughs> it's that much more grotesque when it's slow. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that it's the perfect consequence to the, the ravenous appetite. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie is fucking ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that moment, Tim, why did that crack us up so much? Those four dudes running at them? So many reasons. <laughs> okay, so first of all, char- Chocolate Chip Charlie <laughs> and Mo, where have they just come from, by the Oh, they just came from the... Um... The 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 mail room. I just like remember the, the post to... office where where the right. weird double take. They're guy. trying to get on a little boat. I'm not even sure they're trying. They just luck into the yeah. boat. <laughs> <laughs> they're just still kind of looking around. 
in the middle of the it's like such a weird then, moment they've run away yeah. but they're I love it it's set up so it's such a fucking specific thing that they're walking along there's a fence on their right and they're walking along and I don't know what Charlie says but he says something like you know oh no here they come mm-hmm and the shot is a shot of these dudes running <laughs> who are backlit with long shadows in front of them carrying, you know, axes and whatever. But they're behind them. But Charlie and Mo have not looked over their shoulders yeah. to know that like, anybody's behind them. How long have these guys just been running like in the middle of the road <laughs> at them? There's a disjointedness to it that is so hilarious. I think my I'm trying to like, yeah extrapolate what was so satisfying about it those things you said that they're like okay there they are all of a sudden just this kind of like shock but not it's not shocking but it's like surprising and you aren't (laughs) sure it just in a tickling way yeah a big part of it is it's just like well they just appear too it's just the the like it's so stark it's just like well it's just it was kind of like when we got into certain movies where it feels like they're just casting like 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 unknowns or just regular people or whatever where there's just something we just see it so much as like oh these these this is you just gotta love the universe in this moment for bringing these four dudes yeah together and And they're lumbering in a weird they're they're very not graceful yeah yeah (laughs) but the cutting of it also it just it's i think a big part of why i like this movie is because so much of it is is like these these sharp left turns into <laughs> into just like a fist, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Where you're just like you're, you're forced, like you're forced on um, like an amusement ride. It's jolting you around. It's like the old school haunted mansion where it's like you're swinging around and then yep. suddenly it's a left turn and then there's a thing that pops out at you. I like that vibe. It's just fun yeah. and it makes me constantly go whoa. Oh, shit. Right. It's kind of perfectly paced as far as any time you're wanting something to happen, it happens and it's satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, you know, like you cut to the stuff or you cut to the guy laying on the ground and you're it's like you don't have enough time to anticipate the thing that's about to happen. It's like a microsecond, but it's it's there. Yeah. And then it's, it's coming it. out. It's like, it's like before you could go, Oh no, I wonder if this is going to happen. It's already yeah. happening. <laughs> like, like, uh, Jason's kind of quick evolution from being suspicious of the stuff to <laughs> like destroying all yeah. the stuff inside at the grocery store. Uh, yep. But that's, that's a, it's a good example of what you just said. Cause like all of a sudden he's just, yeah you you're not expecting that that soon like he doesn't go from like i don't know mom maybe you shouldn't be buying that to just just what is he takes like a stick or a broom or something he finds in in the in in the grocery grocery store store. well i mean he even does it before in the kitchen yeah where there the brother is like let me have some of that he's like no don't do it and he just like grabs it and throws against the wall and runs away (laughs) it's like yes (laughs) and then yeah in the grocery store yeah he i don't know i don't think we see him take the broom from somebody but yeah mop or whatever it is but he's just in it (laughs) just like okay smashing shit great we're here it's cathartic too it's like we that the idea of being like like if you are around anybody who's doing something that's like harming themselves even on a subtle way or just a a pathological way there is a part of you that just wants to slap them yeah 
And I think this is sort of exercising that that emotion of you just want to fucking I I found myself like, no! doing that uh, in so many words to some friends sometimes you know, like asking <laughs> for advice and stuff yeah yeah I, yeah I get that urge you're like no come on, just uh. I'll be like dude well you just said this so what are you do with this <laughs> throw a shoe yeah yeah exactly um <laughs> enough is never enough <laughs> enough is never enough the stuff um what I want to say about the kid, I don't know. The blue I, eyes. Everybody's got freaky fucking like yeah, light that, eyes. The whole family. Oh, I just. Everybody no. except for the colonel, basically. Yeah. Well, and Charlie, like <laughs> I think those two have brown eyes. Everybody else has like unpleasantly like. Did that work for you? Was that a thing of it, note? It, it works because it's so fucking eerie. <laughs> when um, talking about when you were talking about Jason, um destroying stuff in the house just that whole stuff was fun about like him versus his family and like the family is that very society-esque all of a sudden yeah they're pod people but in that way of like oh we're the upper middle class bossy family why don't you just be exactly like us come on also well I, i guess everybody's already kind of infected but like Right off the bat, we're met with dickhead dad. Yeah, the dad. Like every 80s dad in every movie we've seen from that era, the dads are just such pieces of shit. Do you remember his name? The dad's name? Yeah. No idea. Does he have a name? I just, I thought mm. I recognized him for... From... Oh, you mean the, the actor? Yeah. Yeah, he's familiar, but I don't... I was wondering if he was the boyfriend in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh my God, if that'd be remember. interesting. I don't remember. Okay. Well, which invasion of the body snatchers? It's like five one. fucking versions of it. The seventy-eight one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember him. Okay. But yeah, he's yeah, familiar. He's super but angry right off the bat. Eighties. Why are you so angry? Yeah. Why are you so angry at your kid? Your kid just. What, what do you think? Jason is twelve. Yeah. Maybe and, maybe and eleven. Tells, that was we were cracking up when he tells him get him. Get him! <laughs> yeah, get him! Yeah, Jesus, Dad, use physical take force it easy. to restrain him. And Why keep is him he here. so mad that Jason <laughs> got up in the middle of the night? Like, if my kid—I right. don't have kids—my kid got up in the middle of the night, I'd be like, "Hey, buddy, are you? Is everything he okay?" Say something He's like, like, "What are you doing up? Get back in bed! Yeah, get what, out of here, you he little would, fuck!" Was he like, "Oh, if someone wasn't up making noise last night, like?" <laughs> snooping around instant shame like what the fuck is going on around that whole section of the film too just is just a good example of just how it does these fun little things along the way that you couldn't do in any other movie when uh he tries flushing it down the toilet and you're like "Uh uh-uh the stuff isn't gonna want to get flushed down (laughs) and the toilet starts making like gurgly sounds and the stuff you see it like still coming out of the toilet yeah you can't flush me also the shaving cream, like that bit, bit is <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's eating shaving cream. Like, what a off. plan! Yeah, what a plan! <laughs> and as you said it, I was like, I would never think he's like Jason's taking one for the team. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, dude, you ate shaving cream. I thought it was a pretty good plan. Ooh, it worked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he got out he of there. Got out. Mo showed up right in time. Per- yeah, Mo showed up exactly. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> There are some hilarious, dumb moments, too. Like, just when when Mo and uh, Nicole 
have shown up at the quarry uh-huh. where the stuff is actually coming out of and they're in the truck and they, they pull up to a stop and they're sort of in the trees or whatever. And they're like, we can't go any further, you know, because they'll hear us. And then they, they pop out to a kind of a wide shot of where the truck has stopped. And it's just like a little patch of grass. There's no road there. It's There's trees behind them, but they had been moving forward. So it's yeah. like they just pulled the fucking truck up and acted like that's the place that they pulled up to. It's a movie. They, I, stuff like that that's just it, – it's – it's literally going, I do not fucking care about the logic. <laughs> yeah. And because the whole movie has those moments, every one of them is actually pleasing. Yeah. It's not a mistake, right? Like in another movie where they're, the scrutiny is high of like get it right, make it logical, make everything make sense, you would see something like that and be like, ooh, like that's that's a fuck up. Why'd they do that? But in this, it's just like, that's awesome. Yeah. That they did that. The consistency. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Larry doesn't, so we don't, and yeah. we're all happy for it. Well, and also when they come back, when Nicole comes back to the truck, they've just turned the truck around. <laughs> it's it's in the same spot, but like facing the, the other oh, right. way. Perfect. It's like, who cares? What the fuck ever? It doesn't yeah, matter. We don't want them to have to stop and turn around. So. <laughs> right. And it's probably just the case that, like, that's the angle that they could shoot these trees and, mm-hmm. like, get the shot. So just use it. Though I think we only briefly mentioned it, but just something so fun about Michael Moriarty and the whole colorful cast of characters. I don't know what else to say, but I just felt like it had to be said again. <sighs> like, just, I, I think maybe I, kind of what we already touched on as far as, like, the acting style, where it's just like, yep, Larry's... Loves these people, loves these actors, and just lets them go up there and do their thing. And it's any part, like, yeah, like it never totally, totally dragged thanks to the actors. That's all. Yes. Well, and also, I didn't think how I can articulate this. In the way that Ash in Evil Dead is a play on a character archetype he's not like bruce campbell is not the leading man archetype he's just off of it yeah um and because of that it works really well to use as the tool to point at you know, the satire and the absurdity of that archetype. And then the humor comes out of him being left of center of that. Mm -hmm. And I think the casting in this is doing very much the same thing. Like Michael Moriarty, is that his name? Yeah. Michael? I don't know. Mo. So. Mo Rutherford. Like that dude is not quite the he's not james bond right right? like and he's sort of playing a james bond character (laughs) like but he's he is he does have a presence he does have charm he's got a like he's got the fucking tools but he's just a little off center of that thing right and it allows him to kind of comment and and be this other version of that in this the the version in this world that works everybody seems to me like that yeah but the, the i guess an interesting distinguishment between like them in this movie and ash is you can tell like sam raimi's aware of that's what makes like 
dash sure. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here, it's just, again, it's just like, it doesn't seem like Larry Cohen's, that's not an active, that's not an active intent. It's just like, I purely just, I love these actors, I'm letting them go. Well, I, it, it, I, It's yeah. a different type of endearing, but it both is endearing. I think I would speculate that what's going on is that Larry is fitting those archetypes the way he sees them into the way he sees this world. So even on a subconscious level, Mm -hmm. Michael Moriarty is the James Bond in Larry's world. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's what's so endearing about it. Right? That's who he thinks would fit into this world (laughs) as that character. He's not actively... Uh, like going after that. Yeah. See, I don't see yeah, necessarily that. The I don't mo- think it's a thought, you know, he and the movie don't seem too aware or even concerned about right. them being left of center, as you put it. Right. Like, no, but it, that's just who he gravitates. This toward. is Larry Cohen's leading man. Yeah. Yes, not, not, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. And everybody's got that. I mean, um, Paul Servino, who plays the, um, Colonel Malcolm Colonel. Gromit Spears. Like, he's sort of famous for being that mm-hmm. gruff, you know, hard-nosed Italian guy. But he is off the fucking <laughs> chain on this. Like, he's definitely doing stuff that I'm like, maybe I should save this for what didn't work. But it does work. <laughs> well, what works? You can say the thing he's, that did work about it. He's just, re- he's taking it to a fucking level of of total insanity. <laughs> But that's what the character is, right? Yeah. Like it is appropriate, and it plays but in. Like, yeah, it plays dude. in that satisfaction of when it's like the big hurrah of destroying the factory. That's right, right. But all his shit about communism and like, oh, even, yeah. even like, even his <gasps> whole thing of like when Nicole shows up, he like grabs her by the arm and is like, "You're like, you're the prize I get." And and Mo is like, hey, well, "Slow down," you know. Like she's not. We're not giving you her as a gift. Like, (laughs) take it fucking easy, dude. (laughs) But it's like everybody's sort of like almost okay with it Mm -hmm. in the moment, at least. So there's just like he's really playing this this like it's an insane kernel thing for keeps. It's on that level of you could say B-movie comic book world. But Mm -hmm. I think what's more on point, like what I said earlier, was a kid playing with action figures. Yeah. I want to take my woman. Right. I hate the commies. But remember the same sort of character in Evil Ed and how it was too cartoonish? Yeah. And it just was too like, I don't even know. It was almost uncomfortably. Yeah, because it felt like the filmmakers, it was, they were, didn't distinguish themselves from those traits in some way. Yeah. Like they just, they... They thought it was funny for the wrong reasons. Right, right. Whereas it seems here they're just like, yeah, Paul, d- um, do your thing. Yeah. He, and, he, and he's just loving how over the top it is in right. every sense. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's the characters he writes, too. Yeah. Like, and they're living up those performances and the acting's living up to <laughs> those I, I, characterizations. I, I, I love that whole end sequence, too, when they're, they get into the radio station. Oh, yeah. And, like... Just the like, this it it's kind of anticlimactic in a way to me. But this whole Nicole getting trapped in there with Charlie and Charlie, you know, like oh a twist, Charlie's infected, um, and then Jason getting in there, and then they're locked in there so- suddenly somehow. Whatever, that's fine. But 
but the whole thing of like going in through the window and climbing in and out back and forth and setting it on fire and using the sort of green screen like effect it's just like (laughs) everything it's like the whole movie comes together in that one scene of like all of the kitschiness all of the who gives a shit the absurdity of it paul servino's over there going come on soldier to to jason the kid like everything kind of coalesces to that moment it's It's like you could just watch that that scene and be like oh yeah i get what this movie is i know i that aspect that stood out to me and all that climactic showpiece end piece was when they're like the running away from it or whatever. And it seems like they should have a really good lead on it. But in that final like leap outside, it's all of a sudden like right behind them, like an explosion, <laughs> like you yeah. know, they're leaping away from it's like, okay, sure. Oh man. I'm pretty good on what worked. If you want to move on. Yeah, I think I'm good. I mean, yeah, let's move on. Okay. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) I mean, I say this reluctantly, but Jason. (laughs) He's kind of a weird kid. You can't get into a fucking, like, the tank of a fucking, like, like tanker what are you what are you doing yeah like the just the thought of getting in there first of all for me because i'm claustrophobic freaks me out but also because my mom would fucking kill me if i even looked at that like the, the hole on that tank but you see how funny that is, Tim. Like, what did you just finish <laughs> going so on and on about? I was know. how none of that stuff matters. I know, but I think that I'm responding to the the evocation. Is that a fucking word? Uh-huh. Uh, how it made me feel. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. It's such a strong. Maybe that's what works about it. But it's so strong. <laughs> you wanted Jason to get I'm out like, of there. No, 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 no way. No, <laughs> do not get in there. Of course you're going to get fucking that's, locked that's in That's what there. I said. And you were just like, well, the movie needs him to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. I was like, what? This is a pretty specific uh, yeah. plot device. <laughs> Larry's got to get him in there. How else does he do it? I mean, you could have easily had him. Yeah, like a, a soldier guard. Like, no, I guess then they would have known he was there. I think I don't know. I think that if I if I were making a movie with this conceit, I would really try, you know, and the movies I would make would not be like this because I like I like realism. So in a realism version of this, if you have a character where you're like, you know that plot wise, you need to get them in there. How do we solve that problem? I would have the the entrance to that thing. Let's say this is very involved, but let's just say that there's like a platform and Jason is like, oh, fuck, I'm about to get caught and I cannot get caught. Oh, look, there's a little like a manhole with a ladder going down. You climb down the ladder and you look around, and you go, oh, shit, I'm inside the tank. And before you can get out, the person above you has closed the thing. Like mm-hmm. I can get behind that sort of conceit. But that's a different movie. Yep. Completely different movie. So, Still interesting how you put, are putting this in the what did not work. So. <laughs> I know. I think it's 
yeah, how do I describe that? It's the caveat being like, <laughs> hypothetically, if I were making a movie, <laughs> my version of this movie would live in a realism, I guess. <laughs> right. And not be this movie or everything you loved about this movie. Correct. It'd be a completely different movie. <laughs> but for so, whatever yeah. reason, that moment in particular, yeah, too much of whatever. I mean, in terms of things not working, it's like, how do you even classify that for this type of movie? I mean, like, what are you picking for apart? For me, yeah, all I said was just, there's actually, there's nothing in particular, but it's just not the kind of movie I feel like I need to rewatch, like, often, if yeah. at all, like, for, it can let a decade or two go by. And it's like, I, I love everything about it. I don't want to say appreciate, because that sounds like, oh, I appreciate it. But, at the same time, like it's this is not a hundred percent my thing. Like I'm not gonna be the guy at the convention wearing the stuff T-shirt. You know, I'd pick other movies first. Oh man, I might want a stuff yeah. T-shirt, but I definitely would be good friends with anyone who was. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I, I, I can plug in. I love it, but I if I was probably when I saw it 15 years ago, buying like movie posters and all this stuff, it's not one that I felt sure. compelled to collect or buy. And the same would stand true today. So I, I don't know. That's, it's not even a, what didn't work. I'm just trying to further like catalog it as if I only said good things, why it's not like a top, top movie. Well, and I think part of this to me, I guess I've, I'm kind of repeating myself, I think, but when a movie shoes the a lot of the sort of um traditional metrics of making a good in quotations a good movie and says that's not what we're doing we're doing this other thing you no longer can uh criticize it or or, or pick it apart from that point of view yeah I don't, I'm trying to think of like a, an, an analogy. Right. That's exactly why but I say it's like, like for exactly what it is, I'm not. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it's like saying uh, uh, this, this person is playing a, a toy saxophone and it's fucking great to watch, but why isn't it a real saxophone and why didn't they play jazz? Right, it's and like, it's like, cause that's not what the toy saxophone is for. Yeah. You don't. You don't go to a desert and say it was too dry for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, willingly. Yeah. Willingly. I think when you, when you get dropped there unwillingly, (laughs) you're like, it's too dry. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't my thing. It's too dry. But I can get that, why that wouldn't be someone's thing. I would like ocean, not desert. Exactly. I would love, I don't know, um, did, um... What's the guy we like? Robert Ebert? No, the other one. Siskel. Gene Siskel, Roger Ebert. Either I, one of I them. I like both of them. I would love to see if either of them reviewed this. Yeah, Roger Ebert has a review. I read it. Oh, cool. What does it say? He wasn't as crazy about it. He thought like... <laughs> let's, let's... What? Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up for uh, for things of note. Okay, cool. Yeah, get it up. Um, beyond that, I mean, I... Uh, I guess. Well, actually, no, this is the section where we, if we don't have much bad to say, we want to read someone else's. Oh, yeah. Let's. Thing, okay. Right? Yeah. So here's his, this, his review in the summation at the, his last paragraph, Roger Ebert. 
the stuff has moments when it comes alive because of the ingenuity of the actors and Cohen's willingness to have fun with his material. But the story doesn't work and the stuff isn't as interesting as, say, Flying Lizards. What we have here are a lot of nice touches in search of a movie. That's his end paragraph. His first paragraph, because that functions too. The stuff is a wildly ambitious movie that fails because it forgets to attend to its bottom line. Before you can make a clever, funny, satirical horror film, first you have to make a horror film. The groundwork in the stuff is so unconvincing that it sabotages all of the good things in the film, including a deadpan performance by Michael Moriarty. <laughs> so I don't, I don't see it the same way, Roger. Yeah, me neither. Love you, but. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I really can't come up with anything that's worth saying that didn't work, you know? What, the the fucking green screen stuff doesn't work? It's like, <laughs> who cares? Who gives a shit? All right, well, then let's move on. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. In terms of the green screen thing, I think it's more noteworthy just to, as a curiosity of like why like how they in were... certain places I'm like why did you need to do it like I'm just curious yeah, like why it was necessary their method of the different effects. I know that like I think most of the stuff effect that is when it appears to be a giant blob of, you know going through somewhere I think that's model you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a miniature. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, and so I get it. Buildings exploding at the end. Totally a miniature, right? What's a thing of note aside, he was not happy with the look of the miniatures, um, the exposing at the end. So he only paid the effects company half and then they brought that back as a lawsuit against him for not. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's such an odd idea that my, that Michael Cohen, uh, that what's his first name? fucking larry larry thank you jesus um that of all the people to scrutinize an effect (laughs) (laughs) sorry i meant that as a quick aside what were you saying no i mean that's i just think that the it's a curiosity as to when you use certain effects like certain times that they put the actors in green screen one in particular when jason is in the tanker there are shots of him actually in whatever set built thing yeah. that, that was the tanker. And then there are shots of him that are green screen of him in, in that exact same set. And I don't understand why you do that. I mean, the <laughs> stuff is coming in, but why couldn't you yeah, it, do it? This kind of filmmaking, it would just be so fascinating to know the behind the scenes of exactly why they're deciding on what when yeah. it comes to things that you can't just literally just improvise in the moment. Like you have to prepare for effects and build things. Yeah. So to know the methodology of their decision making is would be it's it's kind of fascinating. To yeah, think just about. curious, head scratchy a little bit, not in a bad way, but just like I wonder why. Yeah. Um Beyond that, I don't know. Thing of note, uh, inside the movie, I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> um, I mean, there's you know actors in it and shit that I think are fun and well. The guy I don't know who that played um, noteworthy, Chocolate Chip Charlie, 
He's great. He's great. But so originally, do you know who he is? Um, his name uh, is Garrett, Garrett Morris. Morris. He was an SNL guy. Yeah, SNL guy. I know he's had bit part in Cooley High. That's kind of like the American uh, African American American graffiti. <laughs> yeah, you you. I think a lot of people may vaguely know him as Ant Man in Saturday Night Live. Like yeah. he did, he played Ant Man. But so as a, a, a you know a more famous. A name that people might know, though, is Arsenio Hall. Now, that's who Larry Cohen originally wanted to play Chocolate Chip Charlie. But ironically, New World Pictures wanted him to get um, a bigger star. So Arsenio Hall was a rising star, but not a big enough name for New World Pictures. So someone who is now arguably more famous is... uh, Yeah. (laughs) I bet that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, It certainly happened in my career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got passed over a lot for somebody who is, uh, you know, more established. <laughs> um, and when I say a lot, I mean basically all the time. So there is an interesting list of people who they credited as stuff commercial guest stars. Oh, which I'm trying to remember <laughs> what or when exactly that is or would have been. But um, well, hmm. Apparently, you have um, names like it's like a list of like a dozen people here, but includes Brooke Adams, who played the girlfriend in the 78 invasion of the body snatchers. Mm. Um, Let's see. Oh, Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator and (laughs) other horror films. And then uh, Abe Vigoda, a character actor who um, Conan O'Brien made a recurring skit uh, with him. And then... um, Last but not least, it says Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I did not catch that. <laughs> like, what? Where, Where is he? I don't know. I wish we had, had more time. I wanted to figure. You got to find some stills. Yeah. See, Anthony Perkins <laughs> was in the stuff. Like, <sighs> Oh, I had, uh, I guess I had one that I picked out, which was uh, Eric Bogosian. He's he's one of the supermarket clerks who, like, tackles Jason when he's on his rampage. Uh-huh. Eric Bogosian is this incredible playwright. Um, he's known, well, I know him because of all of the monologue books that he's written. He, he has He's on just, Law and Order. Yeah, he was on Law and Order for a long time. But he, he's an amazing monologue writer and performer. He performs all of, you know, he, that's his show. He'll do like 15 monologues in a row of mostly stuff that is very New York City oh, yeah. centric. He's from there. Um, I've done one. Um, you know, and we did a night of Bogosian monologues 10 years ago or something like that. And my, um, the one I did was the recovering male. And it's basically a guy in a, in a, a quote unquote, like an AA meeting, but it's for, it's just, he's recovering from being a man Mm -hmm. in the world and talking about like basically pre-toxic masculinity being a thing he's basically apologizing for being a toxically masculine man cool. and it's hilarious Seems like, like his just, shit is really funny just the kind of person who like it just pop, pops up in larry cohen's cast of characters like oh yeah new york people yep yeah I, there's scene. very clearly that yeah sort of, why don't you be in my movie yeah yeah that little, that insular world that exists in New York. Hey, or Eric, did. you free today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, what do I need to do? I don't want any lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Larry's like, you just got to tackle this kid, dude. Perfect Put on this apron, tackle this kid. And yeah. Yeah. Bogosian's like, I'm in. 
<laughs> Get him! I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I kind of talked about this. This is maybe too esoteric to dive into. So just tell, <laughs> tell me if there's anything in this. You'll tell me. Okay. But just that idea of like, kind of what I already brought up of like a movie... You, the approach to me always seems like you're trying to get the movie to be the movie as much as it can. And like that takes like um, that takes, you know, rewriting. It takes, you know, feedbacking. It takes sort of all but always you have that inner like, do I love this or not as sort of your basis for if it's if it's all working, if it's all clicking. But this kind of approach to filmmaking that Larry Cohen takes seems to be the antithesis to that kind of approach yet in doing so he is making this um he's fully succeeding in making the movie the exact movie it's supposed to be and trying to be you know my eh, my initial thoughts are well a couple things one is i think that this maybe specific to him or maybe just specific to this style of filmmaking you have i think you have to if you're going to go at it this with this methodology part of making it happen is that you are unwavering in trusting your gut and just being like it i i know what i want and you're you're not questioning yourself i think that this if you if you try and make this movie and you're you're the type of person who's kind of constantly scrutinizing your own decisions, you're fucked. So you can't be that person. You just got to go, this is what it is and I'm going full steam ahead. But also, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what's your goal with it? Because I think we as filmmakers often get bogged down in the outer sort of implication of the thing we're making. Like, who's going to want to see it? Who's it for? Is it going to have mass appeal or does it fit into a niche that will get bought up? And you start asking all these questions that are kind of not really a part of what the story or, or what the film is. They're, they're secondary to that. And I think a lot of people get bogged down in that and then try to fit their idea into the framework of those externals. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Larry would make these movies if he was bound by that thought process. Yeah. Because ostensibly these are not, these are not movies that anybody thinks will be successful. Right. Like, like financially. They just happen to be that exact perfect movie to play to his strengths. Cause I, I think of always things in terms of just to put in extremely broad strokes of like introverts introverted tendencies versus extroverted tendencies that like introverts excel when taking extroverted traits on and vice versa extroverts excel when taking introverted traits on which i think larry cohen strikes me as the more you know and again super broad stroke i don't believe in pure introverts extroverts thing i have to really think about broad strokes how i define that okay but larry conan is like oh he's in his interviews brash is you know always talking kind of thing more typically extroverted in mm-hmm. that sense but i see there's just enough in his um development in the screenplay as far as like we've talked about these ideas he's hitting these these points like in the script it's not like he's 
totally like he may come up with a lot on the spot or whatever, but there's just enough of him measuring those extroverted, like improvisatory tendencies with things that took thought and deliberation. I think um, it's instinct. Yeah. I think that, you know, some people have good instincts in relation to their vision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know as directors, there are definitely times when you're on the set and a thing is happening that is different than how you envisioned it. But your instinct says, oh, no, I can make that work or that's better. And you're you're putting your ego aside a little bit about trying to be a perfectionist of it has to be the thing that you wanted. I don't think Larry suffers from that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's he seems to be very open to the possibilities and then very good at trusting his instinct in knowing when a thing has happened that is workable yeah. or, or fits into a, a general vision that I, he has. I think that's why this fascinates me because it does all come down to instinct at any given moment because you can use that exact same argument of like, you know, let's take someone, you know, the very specific way, like, like David Lynch saying, David Oh, Fincher, you know, yeah. David Fincher. Yeah. This doing it this specific way. That is also a, like following your instinct to say, that's right. I, you know, even though it could feel like I'm not putting my ego aside, this is what it has to be. Yeah. And then that just comes down to where you land in, in your vision of the film. Mm-hmm. Like if your vision allows for looseness and play and like, and I mean, play like, right. not, 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 it's the I'm, broader approach that has a big, yeah. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, you're, yeah. A lot does stem from what kind of movie is this and what is the approach we're taking that's right. appropriate for it and sticking yeah. with that decision. Yeah. And, and you see it in the content too, right? Like David Fincher's movies are, I mean, they're very, uh, God, how would you even describe this? They're so specific. Like every mark is so specific. Every frame is so fucking like measured. Everything is measured. Yeah. And that's good for those movies because a lot of the stories are about people who are battling against how measured they are in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so that's appropriate. Whereas Larry's stuff is doing totally different thing. (laughs) (laughs) right it doesn't need to be measured in that same way and therefore you have play and you have a looseness to it and it it services the story yeah so that's my answer great (laughs) i mean that's the same as with david lynch it's like he's like fuck i don't like i'm doing this thing yeah it's great the fuck out of here don't tell me not to do that fascinating i think to think about it's cool because i think you know these are all directors that, you know, I would say Nick Reffin is sort of in that realm too, where it's like they're, they are unwavering in their doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. And the results, they're different movies, they're different styles and whatever. But like, there's really to me something to be said about seeing something that a, a director was like, I'm going for it. Yeah. I think that's kind of the only way. Yeah. To do it. Cool, dude. Great. And the very last thing I had was um, you you look up this movie on Giphy. There's some good, <laughs> surprising amount of gifts. Oh, my God. I, like, sent Tim one, and I was just excited to have, like, more than three to pick from. Yeah. So, That's cool. there you go. I will say that this, in, in the Wikipedia, when it says see also, 
every movie that they list is amazing. Like <laughs> the this... thing, the fly, the blob, society, body snatchers, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just great, right? It's like that. Yeah, this is in that realm. And these are movies that I love. So it's like, yeah, this all like they're, they're all like the, the remakes of themselves because it's either just <laughs> a thing movie or a body snatchers movie or the blob. But then in the middle of them is society. I, that's true. And it's a. God, it's a remake of itself in a weird way, right? <laughs> it's just what the fuck is going on. Yeah. All right. So if we're done with Larry Cohen's The Stuff, yeah, then let's move on to our recommend Deadshins. Well, so I... Uh... Did I say I got Disney Plus and all that? That, that? that came out? I don't know if I mentioned it before, but whatever. I've been like just going through it. Um, and came across a movie from my childhood that I quite liked. My brother and I would watch it called, uh, the black hole. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I haven't watched it in 20 years, probably at least. Um, it has Anthony Perkins, <laughs> which is nice. Um, it also has Robert Forrester as the lead. Cool. Um, they would just played it at the new Beverly. They were doing a Robert Forrester tribute. Yeah. I mean, I... I personally didn't know Robert Forster, but he he has some connection to Rochester, New York. I I think I don't think he was from there, but he maybe lived there for a period. I can't remember. I ran into him there at a like Kodak. The you know Kodak is is from Rochester. That's where Kodak was built. Um, and I was at some film something or other in in Rochester, and Robert Forster was like the speaker. I was like, oh shit, cool. Um, I do know people who have worked with him and, and like have really, really loved him as like they were really bummed when he passed away. And, um, but the movie Black Hole is, is fun and weird and plotting and pretty fucking scary at times. Cool. There's I've, some it's always intrigued me. I haven't dude, seen there's it. There's some robot shit in there that it, it like traumatized me. Um, so since you haven't seen it, I will not cool. spoil that. I'm ex I've been wanting to watch it. So. It's from like, I don't even remember, 79 or something, I Perfect. think. Perfect. That's yeah. like Tim's sweet spot era, right? <laughs> That's why I like it so much. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. So that's mine. Since we were talking about um, marketing and the power of like branding and marketing, and f especially in food, <laughs> I thought to recommend Dead. Um the documentary it's been getting a lot of talk the game changers where i'm not just trying to mention it as like vegan propaganda because <laughs> that's what it gets into wow. as far as but it, it's out of like all films that you'd want to group that way this one actually like was a fun engaging movie that rather than just sort of having that tone of like everything is horrible and here are all the horrible things you know it this this takes more the tone of um just uh using people who are like working out and sort of like positive about you know health and all that and it seems just more kind of like objective exploration um versus like trying to necessarily mm -hmm. as i use this word before proselytize to mm -hmm. you yeah but it was very just sort of like takes you through an interesting story of people learning about um, the science behind the way we eat and live. I think that stuff's pretty interesting. Yeah. I think, I've gone down those rabbit holes I for sure. I uh, think you'd enjoy it. it. The director's done 
another good so, oh yeah he did the cove it's that oh sure that filmmaker yeah i never watched that because i didn't want to just be um sad i'm already sad enough <laughs> but tim what did the stuff teach us Oh, you don't fill that <laughs> emptiness with sadness. <laughs> fill it with the truth. Oh, God, the truth. Yeah. All right, I'll do my best. Actually, whoa, that's actually the, the slogan here for the Game Changers. Armed with the truth. <laughs> As it's like a flexing muscle. Ooh. Um, yeah, there you go. Check it out. Cool. All right. That was we're going to figure out next week's film. Oh, my no. My turn to pull from the hat. What could it be? What could it be? What could it be? It shall be. The Stepfather from uh, 1987. Whoa. This was recommended to us by my friend Pam, who I hope uh, will now listen in because we're talking about a movie the she told us to watch. The Stepfather. Um, I've heard about it outside of her, too. I've been wanting to see it. Nice. By the way, one last little addendum to our episode I've been cleaning up our Gmail and Great. looking through it. There's a bunch of Reddit uh, messages. Those could be old ones from when I was actually talking to people. Like um, I go on our Reddit often enough. So, but there are a bunch of recommendations for us to listen to. Really? I mean, there's like two or three at least. One of them is Cherry Falls. Oh yeah, no, I've already talked. Yeah, okay. These are all discussions I've been okay, a part cool. of. They aren't oh, just good, people. Good, good, good. All right, I just want to make sure that we're on. That's on, on our list. That shit. It's Great. any actual email. Okay, cool. That we have to, <laughs> right. to take care of. Well, I'm going to try and maybe dig into these and like start talking to people and look at these um, conversations some more and see if we can. I mean, we're we've got lots of movies left. We're not going to run out anytime soon, but I I would like to. We got to print. I mean, it's soon we some... should print out that the, the new list we haven't printed. We got a bunch. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Cool, dude. But until then, we got to let's you should join us for the stepfather next week. Yeah. Until then, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Tim just mentioned our email. He's checking it now. Mm-hmm. Checking it twice. That I've is dis- added it to my computer's mail Oh, great. Part. So and I see it if something comes up. What is the address? <laughs> Dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. Simple enough, folks. We'd appreciate any positive iTunes review. Mm-hmm. That helps us out. And what helps us out just as much, tell a friend. You should tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. The tell- friend that you talk to about horror movies yeah. like this. For whenever you don't have each other, you always got Ryan and Tim. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always be here. Yep. Always. Yep. A click away, folks. A click or two away. <laughs> I think that's it. So in closing, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>